All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we're back for another Boca podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Holritz, and uh, it's good to have you here today. For those of you who might be watching or listening live, please say hello, comment, ask questions. We've got a great guest on today too, and I don't want you to be shy about engaging Ben Hartley in questions. I'm going to introduce him here in just a second. Uh, but for those of you that are listening to this after the fact, do keep in mind that we are live streaming every single Boca Podcast episode at facebook.com slash Boca Podcast. And we'll keep you up to date on the upcoming live streams at instagram.com slash Boca Podcast. So make sure you're following us there. Of course, the advantage to the live streams is that you do get to ask questions and uh, there's some visuals involved as well. So if you want to go back and watch a replay, again, you can go to facebook.com slash Boca Podcast and watch the replays of these conversations. Just very quickly before I introduce our guests for today, I do want to continue to encourage everybody listening in and watching to look for opportunities to give back, whether it's in your local community or to an organization. Charity Water, I'm going to pop up the receipt uh, from today's donation, as I promised you all I would do before each episode. CharityWater.org is an organization that I've been involved with for a number of years. Our company has got involved with as well. And that is one of many options out there through which even just a little bit of money can make a big, big difference. So look for those opportunities. I want to continue to encourage you with that. All right. Enough of me rambling on. Uh, I want to go ahead and introduce our guest for today. I, ben, you and I have not had the opportunity to spend a lot of time together, but I feel like in some ways you're kind of an old friend because we see each other quite a bit at conferences. So welcome. Thank you for making time for all of us, for hanging out with us. And, and as I was saying to you before we get started, for even bringing some nice audio and video to the mix. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me, Nathan. Yeah, uh, and I feel the same way. I love when I get a chance to connect with someone that also just like, man, you, you, you already look good. And now you look even better with like all that, with all the boca <laughs> she was. Go figure, go figure. <laughs> uh, well, actually, speaking of, I mean, you, you don't have all this production equipment for no reason. Talk to us just briefly about your podcast. And I'm going to pull this up on screen while you're, while you're mentioning it. Yeah, sure. So a few years back, I started the Six Figure Photography Podcast. Uh, and it's, a, you know, probably in a similar way, um, a similar light for you. It was really came out of an looking. Sorry, I'm looking at the, the video <laughs> or the screen you're pulling up. Yeah, and I saw me wearing a wig. Um, <laughs> so the, the Six Figure Photography Podcast started uh, when I was uh, a little bit earlier on in my photography business, my photography journey, just trying trying to create an opportunity to interview amazing industry experts and uh, getting their information distributed to the masses. And so it's been kicking since then. Cool. Well, and I, I do have it pulled up here on screen. I managed to get to the right screen. I, I told you this has been kind of a learning curve using this production software. Um, I, sometimes I push the wrong button, but we got to the right place. Uh, for anybody who's listening in, you're going to want to go to sixfigurephotography.com and you can learn a little bit more about this podcast. Uh, you said over 1.2 million downloads, 160 plus episodes. And we'll make sure to link to this, of course, in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. And Ben, actually, you know what? I, I came back to a video of us here, but I want to go back to your website since we're on this uh, at the moment. Yeah. Let's, let's, BenHartley.com is kind of the, the homepage for all interactions with Ben Hartley, it seems. For anybody listening, it's B-E-N-H-A-R-T-L-E-Y.com. 
And I, do you still have a photography website as well? I should ask. I should have looked I, at this beforehand. All good things. I do. So uh, I've separated out the brands. There's like the Ben Hartley brand, which is where I help to share the journey that I've had as a photographer to help others. Uh, it's where the podcast is hosted, all that kind of stuff. And so if you're a photographer, that's probably where you'd want to go. But then I have a separate brand for my wedding studio. It's um, stylestorycreative.com. Uh, if you want to go take a look, stylestorycreative.com. Got it. And that's my um, photography studio. I've been a professional wedding photographer for 11 years now. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's uh, it's been a really incredible journey. I you know I I focus on the business side of photography. That's kind of the lane that I've chosen mm. uh, to help photographers, and yet. I care so much about the craft side of things. You know what, Ben? And, I'm gonna have uh, to jump in here really quick. Out, so that's cool. I'll just go over to my uh, to my janky cam, dude. I lost the sexy cam, Nathan. <laughs> it's gone. I just see a big <laughs> the, W right now that says Image Edge Webcam. Yeah, I just oh, changed to my. Uh, I'll okay. just change my webcam here. Okay, cool. Uh, I don't know why my Sony A7S <laughs> just decided Sony, to just how power dare off. You? <laughs> Man, we lost the cool bokeh and the lighting and the vibe. Okay, well, we'll make it hey, work anyway. Listen, as long as the audio is still good, that's all that counts. The all podcast. that matters. Yeah. So, um, so I, I was saying that you know the business side is where I've really focused up within the photography community, and yet when it comes to the craft of photography. I care so much about it. And so um, to anyone who's curious about the work that I produce, yeah, you can uh, take a look at stylestorycreative.com. Cool. That's perfect. And uh, of course, we'll link to all of this in the show notes at bocapodcast.com for anybody listening in. Uh, ben was mentioning the, the picture of him with the wig, and that is on his Instagram account as well. <laughs> and that is J. Ben Hartley. Uh, we'll link to that as well as style and story. And then do you also have an Instagram for the podcast, right? Six figure photography. Uh, you know what, Nathan, I have, I have simplified my life. My friend, if you go to try to even look at that, you'll notice that there hasn't been nothing posted on the actual <laughs> podcast. Instagram. Uh, everything and anything that I post is over on my personal Instagram, J. Ben Hartley. Yeah. Okay. So I have to ask you a question here because this is something that I've not tapped into. I'm, I'm going to jump right back over to video of your Instagram account. You're doing a lot of these, these videos, reels and such. Yeah. I, I honestly, even just thinking about doing them and, and I know it's part of my so-called personality, I guess, if you will, um, I'm maybe not quite, um, as adventurous as you are, but I, the idea of doing some of these videos to me is, is a bit cringy. What I guess <laughs> is it, it the wig, is it the wig video that's cringy? <laughs> <laughs> no, not even that. I, I mean, honestly, I, I think there's, and this is weird because I don't normally feel quote unquote old. I'm like 14 in my head, but I'm 41 in real life. And the idea of going and doing videos like that just seems, I, I feel silly, honestly. Yeah. But, but I know well, that they're super popular. For, for, so for what Nathan's talking about, he's referring to short form video content, reels, TikTok. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, listen, I, I put off reels and TikToks for far too long. I actually haven't started doing it since uh, the last, it's probably been about a month and a half, two months. Um, and I put it off for all the same reasons, Nathan. Like I felt like, honestly, I'd get into make a reel or a TikTok, and I just felt like, uh, I, yeah, I felt like an old person. I felt like I didn't <laughs> understand the technology. I didn't understand how to do it, especially these editing apps. Like, what do these buttons do? How do I get the text to time and, and yeah. all these trends and the audio? 
And, um, and so I just resisted doing it for quite some time. And, um, the best analogy that I can give is, you know, when it's like a, a hot summer day and then you're outside and there's a nice cool pool, um, you're in the, you're, you're hanging outside the pool right now, Nathan, and okay. you dip your toes in and you're like, Ooh, this change of state, this temperature yeah. change, I don't like it. I yeah. don't want to go through that uncomfortable period when I, when I step into the water and it okay. feels terrible, I'm going to get out. And maybe you waited in a little, by the way, maybe you went in <laughs> up to your knees and you're like, Nope, I'm out of here. Sure. It, that's how everyone feels. And if you feel that way, again, you're in really good company, but the 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 other side of it is incredible because on the other side of actually overcoming that uh, and staying in the water for three minutes, which would probably be the 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 analogy would be like three videos, produce three videos, stay in there for sure. a week. Sure. Um, and what you're going to discover is like people are having a ton of fun in this pool and your body is going to adjust and it's going to acclimate and you're going to actually feel confident and, and people are going to start engaging with you and it's going to spike your profile. I mean, I've seen my profile grow like, uh, I'd have to look at the exact numbers, but probably like 50 X from starting to use reels. Um, and it's just been, it's just been a lot of fun. Now to, to your point, you don't have to be big, bold, loud, funny hmm. uh, on reels in order to make an impact. Uh, I like those things. <laughs> Fair <laughs> so enough. I try to lean into my ridiculousness a little bit. Yeah. But a lot of the people that I follow, they're just them. Just like sharing an experience that they've had, uh, an educational experience, whatever it is. And, and I find some of those videos to be in, uh, incredible, you know? So. Well, and to your credit, I was actually looking at uh, the, the one that you did just recently. And, and if anybody listening in the future, um, at the, the video here on all the leaves are brown and the reference to how do you like your greens and, and using the green slider to kind of match whatever the trends are currently in, in the editing styles. I thought it was hilarious. I mean, it, it had me smiling or laughing. So um, kudos to you for that. But Thanks, I, I, I don't know. Like when you, when you say, like, come on in, everybody's having fun. I, I, I think back to when I used to shoot weddings. I shot weddings for about the same amount of time you have for about 10 years. And watching drunk people uh, at a reception who would claim to be having a lot of fun who simultaneously are looking absolutely ridiculous. I'm like, I can have fun <laughs> without doing that. <laughs> um, yeah. But I, at the same time, I, I see your point. I think part of it for me that, that, that rubs me the wrong way is I see there are a lot of people that are in there doing that and look absolutely, frankly, foolish doing it. They look silly doing it largely because it feels forced. Like it's not, it seems like they're trying too hard to be something that they aren't. And then simultaneously, they're a bit awkward because their timing is slightly off. And so they're like pointing and then suddenly the caption pops up or the caption pops up and then they're pointing, but then the next one's coming up. Um, and so it, it I don't know, it kind of makes them look silly. I don't, in fact, I love to have fun. Um, but I just wonder if, if there's like, is there some notion of, of I guess, intentionality or uh, a little bit of thought, maybe a little bit more thought that goes in behind producing this type of content that's actually going to not only going to be entertaining, but also be mm -hmm. beneficial as well. Yeah. Well, man, I just, uh, I think it takes huge courage to just like to try something new and to put yourself out there. And Fair? so 
uh, I'd say credit to them, you know, maybe even especially credit to them, (laughs) like (laughs) for like, man, risking and, and kind of testing something. And like anything, the first time you picked up a camera, you probably sucked at that too. Sure. The first time you podcasted, you probably sucked at that too. Still, man, it's tough sometimes. (laughs) Yeah. There's, there's this, there's this stage of, of learning and, um, and the reason it takes courage is because the stage of learning is on public display, you know, and, and there's really no way around that. There isn't, there's no way around the public display of learning. Now, when I was practicing soccer, I could go behind my house and, and, uh, where no one would see and I would just kick and kick and, <laughs> uh, and it's just not like that anymore. And so I honestly, I just say, keep showing up. I say, yeah. keep at it, keep yeah. going. Um, I think that it reminds me of, uh, I don't know, there's that classic story, right? That's like the uh, teacher who, um, a pottery teacher, and he split the his class into two groups. And the goal was to see which group could produce the best uh, clay pot. And he told one group, you're, you're well, that, that was his goal in the back of his mind. But he said, hey, your goal, group number one, I want you to produce the best possible clay pot. You've got one week to do it, mm. uh, come together the most perfect thing and then present it. Mm. And then the other group, I want you guys Listen, F it all. I want you to produce as many pots as possible. You've got seven days. See how many you can make, right? Uh, I don't care what they look like. Get me as many pots as possible. And uh, the tale goes that the two groups came in on day seven and the group that produced as many as possible, not only did they produce as many as possible, but they also produced the best pot. It's mm. just a process of iteration. Yeah. And so keep showing up, keep making, keep making. And listen, this is the other thing. Like, man, life's all too damn serious. Yeah, like, fair. who cares? Like, have fun, laugh at yourself. Like, <laughs> I'm a dork, I'm a nerd. I'm literally, I've got Pokeballs hanging out with me today. I love it. So, like, lean into your nerd, lean into your awkwardness, yeah. and uh, and just laugh at yourself. So. Point, point, honestly, point well taken. And, and that's a good reminder for me. Because as much as I like to have fun, I, I do still take myself a little bit too seriously or life too seriously at times. So it, it, it's yeah. a good reminder. <laughs> I, I do appreciate the, the nudge and, and certainly the right direction. And Jessica, by the way, uh, says, welcome back, Nathan. Great to see you and been in one spot. Love your content. And thanks for chiming oh, in, Jessica. Jessica. And, and by the way, for everybody else who's watching, listening live, please don't he- hesitate to comment to ask questions, send us funny emojis, whatever you'd like to do, engage, let this be a group conversation. would really love that. And speaking of, Ben, I, I want to keep the conversation moving too, because I know we've got a lot to, to kind of touch yeah. on here. One of the questions that I normally ask our guests when they come on the podcast, first thing is about brand position, because it's a conversation mm-hmm. that I think is kind of lacking in our industry at the moment. You know, we have yeah. a super, super crowded space in the photography industry. And the question, of course, comes to bear, which is how do we stand out amidst the masses? And I think yeah. one of the missing pieces of that conversation is having a clear and distinct brand position, which not only enables us to more succinctly and easily market ourselves, but also helps us focus what we're doing day to day as business owners. So I'm curious yeah. how you would position yourself right now. And I'm going to ask this, I guess, in the context of you as an educator in the industry, because a lot of photographers have moved into this education space in the last 10 years. It's kind of the thing to do at the moment. How do you set yourself apart? What is your brand position as an educator in the industry? Yeah. Um, my position as a educator for photographers is I am the guy to talk to, uh, about value. Um, I think, uh, yeah, it's, I'm the guy to talk about value. 
um, and showing up. And so I'm going to do that by showing up. And okay. so I think there's a consistency that I provide the industry that probably they're, they're not, they're not used to. They're mm. used to people popping in and then disappearing mm. and then maybe popping in to sell something and then disappearing. And so I'm the guy who I'm going to show up when I say I'm going to show up and I'm going to provide value in ways that, uh, you don't have to watch a, an hour long webinar and then buy something in order to receive. Mm. I like that. And I, I want to comment on that so desperately, but I think we'll let it speak for itself. It, it's, it's a great, that is a great distinction. Yeah. I'll leave it at that. Very, very cool. good. Let's, let's keep the conversation moving. Um, talk to me about, and I know this is a massive transition, but moving to customer service, another mm. important question that I think that, uh, I mean, I guess as much as this seems almost cliche to talk about customer experience in our industry, it's funny how after you know, 500 plus episodes, the conversation almost always comes back to relationships and mm. the significance of relationships. Despite all the technology and the fun TikTok videos and all those things, like relationships at the end of the day, that's where it's at. And so as photographers are trying to build that client experience and, and many times focusing then on relationships, I'm curious what you would kind of lend to that conversation. What has been one of the most impactful ideas behind providing a great customer experience? Hmm. Uh, well, I'll, so I'll give you the, I'll, I'll give you the straight up answer and then I'll, I'll tie in a little Soren Kierkegaard for us, a little philosophy. Fair enough. Uh, I think it's giving a rip about the human, not what they can give for you, like not what they can do for you. Uh, Soren Kierkegaard has this amazing quote and I'll probably butcher it, but he says the task um, is not to find the lovable object. Meaning the task is not to find the client that can pay you the most money. The task is not to find the client that walks in with a Gucci purse uh, and, uh, and driving a, a Mercedes. The task is not to find the lovable object, but to find the human in front of you lovable. Meaning whoever I'm with, like, how do I find this person, this human in front of me lovable, no matter what they have to give me? Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. I, I think about just to be a bit transparent, something that I've Please. struggled with over the years, which is ego and, and how ego a lot of times kind of drives internal judgments in my mind in the, with, mm. in the, with the person that I'm interacting with in that moment. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's embarrassing even to say right now, it's something that I've actively have been working on and I'm, I feel like I'm improving on, but that being said, it's, it's a, I think it's something that collectively we struggle with as human beings, maybe even specifically in the photography industry that it's easy to make a judgment in the moment to project whatever own issues on the other person and let that cloud the interaction rather than just simply trying to kind of intentionally clear space in our head, emotionally, psychologically, yeah. and, just focus on engaging with that person, showing kindness and empathy. Uh, I mean, how do you do that? What does that look like practically for you, especially with your, your photography clients? Well, it's, um, it's so I'll state something that's like an oversimplification and it's, it is a, it's like, uh, it's a simple thing to state, but it's not easy to do. And it's, uh, to attempt to remove judgment. Like, that's the goal. It's like, how do I remove judgment? All of these things that I'm making up about you, Nathan, or all these things that I'm making up about this do tell. client. Like, I, I'm making it up. Sure. I've got to literally almost say to myself, like, I'm, 
I'm making this up right now. I have no clue. <laughs> I have no clue what this person's been through, what they care about. And I think we do this a lot as photographers. We make up things about our clients. We make up things about um, who they are as a person based off of how much money they have. I, you know, as much as I've seen a push towards a desire to photograph elopements and small weddings, I've seen a lot of judgment come out of that towards anyone who decides that they want to have a big wedding. That that somehow means that they're a person that they're not going to connect with, or they're a person who's, um, well, again, what are the, what are all the judgments that we have about people who have money and they want to spend it? It's like, um, and so I just try to catch those things and just notice them. Like the judgments aren't going away, the thoughts aren't going to stop appearing, but I'm just going to try to notice the thoughts as the one who's thinking, and and just get curious about that. Oh, I just made that up. I wonder why I did that. I wonder what's going on for, for me right now. Yeah. And just kind of notice it, just hanging yeah. out over there. Okay, interesting. Yeah. So that's there for me. I'm curious about that. I, I've been reading a book called The Courage to Be Disliked. I think you and I just chatted briefly on Instagram. Yeah. We kind of had a back and forth about this, but it's been super impactful. And, and one of the things that, that the philosopher in the book, for anybody who's not read the book, I highly recommend it. But in the book, it's a philosopher talking to a young person. And one of the things that this philosopher and this dialogue is discussing is the significance of the interpersonal relationship as it relates to really any problems that we face in life. Mm. And a lot of that interpersonal relationship comes from that place that you're talking about, Ben, of, of judgment, competitiveness almost, uh, but ultimately judgment. I am better than this person or that person is less than me for this way. And we start to do this, whether it's consciously or unconsciously just naturally a lot of times I'll speak for myself again, something that I've struggled with. I think a lot of just because of my background and so learning to set that notion aside that, that like starting with the premise that I am better than, or looking for ways that I am better than this person, which of course is driven by insecurity. Like you said, noticing that thought process. And I, I've read a book called um, the untethered soul by Michael Singer. And he talks about mm -hmm. as a kind of practice of meditations as you, and kind of what you talked about a second ago, seeing that thought, seeing it, acknowledging it, it's there, fine. But then also just seeing it out. And I, I almost have this, this visual image in my mind of this thought coming inside my mind, but then I open the door and kind of let it out the other side, right? It yes. exists, but we kind of practice that over and over again and learn to set that aside and then to focus on, I like to think about, you talked about value. How can I best add value to this interaction here? How can I make their life better in some way? Starting with that pre premise is not something a lot of people are used to being on the other side of a human being and in interaction, especially in a business context. And so I think it's a great, great starting place. And I, I, man, I love this is kind of bouncing around all these different directions. I'm sure we could just park here for a while. I, I want to bring up a couple of comments. Asia says, I love Ben's Instagram marketing. So excited to watch this live. Uh, and Asia actually was uh, part of our podcast not very long ago. Thanks for commenting, oh, Asia. So I really cool. appreciate that. And then Chris Upchurch says, my wedding business boomed and hit all my goals after buying Booked and Sold last year. I think Book Solid is probably what, what Chris is alluding to yeah. there. Yeah, that's um, awesome. Last year, Allison Upchurch Photography. Really, really great. Thank you all for commenting. And again, that's please awesome, continue to, to comment in and ask questions. Um, but I want to keep the conversation moving too. So I guess next question, Ben. Talk to me a little bit about time management. You've got just an absolutely <laughs> beautiful, beautiful family. Um, your wife has had the opportunity to meet and, and chat with a couple of times. Your kids are an absolute trip. I see the, the videos and stuff that your wife posts on Instagram of them. 
you've, you've got a wonderful family and I know that they're a priority to you, but how do you balance that? And then the multiple brands simultaneously, is there an idea that drives that kind of efficiency, if you will? Yeah. Well, there's a, uh, on this note, um, there's a book called essentialism. I highly recommend. I think one of the first things that I'm looking to do is when I'm looking at my time and all the things that I need to get done, I'm looking to what can I delegate, uh, out to other people? Um, what can I delete? (laughs) Just like, I don't need to do this. I don't need, I'm going to remove myself from this with that. I would say unsubscribe. Like anytime an email hits your inbox that you're like, this is spam. I don't need this. Don't just archive it. Don't just delete it. Unsubscribe. So you don't have to do that again. So what can I, what can I delegate? What can I delete? Um, uh, what else? There was another D in there somewhere. Um, and, uh, uh, trying to remember the other one. It doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> For the sake of so alliteration. I'm looking, I'm looking to at least do that first. Sure. I, I want to just like delegate out stuff. I want to delete as much as possible. And then for me, I've noticed that whatever is the thing that I'm dreading doing the most is now I use that as an indicator that that's what I need to do first. For the longest time in my career, I just would, I dreaded doing certain things. And so I just keep putting off and keep putting off and keep putting off. And then eventually I became self-aware enough that the more that I would put off that huge thing in my life, the more pain it caused me. Like not just day after day, Mm -hmm. I would re-experience the pain of not doing it. And then the next day I'd re-experience it. Mm -hmm. But also that pain would stack. I'd I'd experience that pain just a little bit more each day and it would keep compounding. And so, and that would cause me to become stressed out. It would cause me to become anxious. It would cause me to become even more inefficient at my other tasks that actually (laughs) weren't hard to do. Yeah. But because of the the weight of this one thing crushing Mm -hmm. me, I just sometimes wouldn't even want to get out of bed because there was Mm -hmm. this one thing crushing me. And so I've learned like, hey, I have a a mentor of mine, Dan Tacchini. He says, you either eat the, the, uh, the sandwich now, I won't swear. You either eat the sandwich now <laughs> sure. or you can wait for it to build and build and build and build and eventually you're going to have to eat a whole room of them. Um, mm. And so I've learned, hey, today, what's the what's the sandwich that I need to eat? The, what's the, what you know what I mean? What's the shit um, sandwich? Is, is that the, yeah. the phrase? <laughs> yeah, there it is. Yeah, I don't know if I could say, yeah, what's of the shit course, sandwich that I need to eat right now? Um, what do you, what so, do you yeah, think was behind? the things that I'm dreading. What do you think was behind that, though? Because I, I, when I look back to, to um, like my photography career, for example, the thing that I would, that I would tend to put off was um, dealing with sales tax. You know, that you get to fill out this form and submit the thing to the city. And it was just this annoying thing. And it was tied to finances, which was a, a source of stress in particular at that time. And I would just tend to put it off. And the reality is when I sat down and did the thing, it literally took me like 20 minutes to do it. It wasn't even that big of a deal, but I kept putting it off over and over and over and over again. And that was tied to, I mean, there was a certain amount of laziness, obviously tied to that, but then also that kind of the root level, a sense of fear associated with my background and or lack of background in finance and so forth. Yeah. That was tied to that. No excuse. But I'm curious what for you was the reason or primary reasons why you would avoid something and like how did you overcome that? Well, yeah, I mean, it's 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 always very revealing. It's revealing 
towards, uh, you know, it's like your survival mechanisms kicking in and my survival mechanism kicks in in a lot of the same ways that you just described, Nathan. It's like, um, where do I feel, um, like, um, I'm going to get found out, right? Mm. Like what are the areas of my life that like, uh, I don't want to look at, I'm embarrassed by, I don't want to see, I don't want other people to see, Um, uh, I'd rather just avoid it. And so my body says, my brain's like, okay, that's scary. That's bad. Uh, that's broken. That's wrong. If you do that, you you know, like if you even look at that, you're going to have to deal with all this shame. And so either like fight, like I'm going to get stressed out and take it out on other people, or I'm going to flight. I'm going to flee. I'm going to like, uh, uh, follow fool freeze. These are some other responses that you can have. Uh, you're, and, you're, um, you're such a typical teacher. You've got all the alliterations. It's brilliant. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> and so, um, and so, uh, for me, yeah, it's like, uh, I, I forget exactly your question, but I think a lot of it has to do with like, when do I feel dumb? Uh, and a lot of times mm. it's like these tax, like taxes and bookkeeping, um, like a lot of that stuff. Like when I have to look at that, I start to feel like I'm the educator. I'm the, I'm like the business guy. And yet I'm feeling dumb around these things. Mm. And I, and I don't want to, I feel a lot of shame around that. And so I'm just going to, not. I'm going to just pretend like it's going to go away. You know what I mean? That's how I would tend to deal with yeah, this for a no. long time. So I relate to what you said, man. Yeah. Well, but it's interesting. You're talking about how we might avoid doing something because of shame, like in a a public sense. But I'm also thinking about even back then, the sense of shame that I think I had just personally. I have to face this financial thing because it wasn't just you know paying sales tax wasn't that big of a deal in the scheme of things. But finances in particular at that point, it was a sense of of shame um, on multiple levels. And without going into all of it, I didn't want to face the kind of the reality of the financial situation at that point. And so I didn't, I would put it off, I would ignore it. Mm. And that's, man, I mean, the detriment, and I've said this before in the podcast multiple times over, I, it, you know, I cannot recommend enough for photographers, especially who are getting started, but even those who have been in their career for a while and just haven't proactively managed their finances, that we had a really successful business and I missed out on a lot of opportunity because I didn't proactively manage my finances. And it was all based in this kind of fear and, and maybe even shame uh, that that was kind of keeping me from being proactive in that regard, and I missed out on a lot, a lot of opportunity at that point. So, uh, yeah. wow, so many topics again. We could go different directions with this, but I just want to, I guess, put that encouragement out there. And I, I love that that you kind of highlight the significance of being willing to face those those things that might feel or might cause a little bit of fear, a little bit of shame in the moment. Learning to be able to step past that, because on the other side of that is so much freedom. And I well, can yeah, speak. The irony is, it's something that like we we don't want to get near. We don't want to have to deal with the emotional response that is going to come from it. And so we, we put it off. The irony is that in the process of not doing it and not feeling it, um, we then choose to feel it and experience it every day, yeah. sometimes multiple times a day. Yep. And so like sometimes it's just a conversation, man, that I'm putting off. Yeah. Uh, it's a conversation that I'm like, I'm, I'm dreading. I feel like it's, 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 got, it's loaded. And so I put it off. But in the process of putting it off, I have that conversation in my head mm. when I go to bed. And I have that conversation in my head uh, when I wake up. And I have it again when I come home. Yeah. And it doesn't just end there. That results in an emotion. It results in an actual feeling that comes up. And so I'm, I'm resisting feeling it. I'm resisting actually having it. And in the process, I'm having it 
10, 100. I mean, sometimes I've put off things that I've had the same experience and emotional result from, I mean, probably thousands of times. Hmm. I will let that speak again for itself. That, that's <laughs> it's super powerful stuff. Really, though, I appreciate you sharing and, and not only your experience, but also your wisdom, what you've learned from that. Uh, and you mentioned essentialism, and, and Jessica says, I keep hearing about that book, buying it now. And Jessica and Ben and myself have a mutual friend in Sean Austin who talks about this book quite a bit. So, sh- Jessica, you may have heard it from Sean as well. Uh, we'll link That's to actually, essentialism. So Sean is the person who recommended that I read it. And so Perfect. I, I bought it, uh, I don't know, a couple of years ago when he first told me about it. And then actually just this weekend, I had a long drive to Pittsburgh uh, for a 4th of July wedding and nice. I bought it on audio and I listened to it. Oh, that's to good. Like speed one time. It was a great, just like yep. single session sitting of getting the whole book downloaded. It was great. Well, we'll link to that in the show notes at bookapodcast.com for everybody listening and watching. And then Nolan says, what business marketing advice do you have specifically for a part-time wedding photographer trying to go full-time? And I wonder, Ben, if, if this is, it seems kind of relevant to the topic that we're going to get into today, this, this notion of kind of building a chain reaction marketing plan. Do you think that's a relevant question uh, and answer or an answer rather to that question? Uh, yeah, I mean, man, there's, I have so many more questions for Nolan here. It's like, there's, there's so many more things that we could, I'd have to ask before, uh, before moving forward. Um, so we could tie it or I could just try to give some thoughts. Yeah. Um, share a couple of thoughts if you will. And then Nolan, I, I think that you're going to find the conversation we're going to get to our, kind of our primary topic here in a few minutes uh, today about this developing a marketing plan, highly relevant, but yeah, feel free, Ben, go for it. Yeah. So when you're looking to go full time, uh, maybe the question is like, what what's needed to go full time? Like, what are those benchmarks? I would first say set some very um, clear parameters, my dude. That way, there's no. I see so many photographers that are hemming and hawing of like, well, should I jump now? Should I go full time now? Is it time now? Because they haven't actually defined when is it the right time to go full time, hmm. right? And so I would put very clear signals They're like, Hey, this box checks, this box checks, this box checks there. Now I have the answer to all that fear and inhibition. I can actually look to the sign and say, no, I know brain that you're trying to keep me safe right now and keep me an extra few months at my job. But I've made this commitment that I'm going to go full-time once these things are hit. So for, for you, I, w- I would recommend looking at three to six months of your, of your expenses, not like your Netflix and everything else. Just look at your expenses, what it takes to live and create that runway in a separate bank account, minimum of three months. I think six months is even better. Uh, if you can't do that, don't go full-time. <laughs> so there's a really good financial indicator behind that. Yeah. Um, Um, this also depends on like, again, Nolan, I just don't know what kind of life situation you're in. Like who else are you responsible for? If it's just you, my dude, then maybe it's like three months is all you need. If you have children that are relying on you to provide for them, maybe then you, you, um, you look for that six month mark, you know what I mean? And, and you can kind of weigh these risks a little bit. The other advice that I might give is if if you do have kids and there's high responsibility on your shoulders, instead of completely quitting the day job, you can, you can go full-time in photography while working another job that I would recommend getting a different job 
that you can put the least amount of energy and effort into. (laughs) So that way, all of your energy and effort can go into your business, but it can pad things uh, to give the financial stability that maybe a family might require while things are still a little rocky. Mm. But you're going to look for a job that's not a nine to five that you're going to have to go somewhere else to. You're going to look for something that maybe you request to work from home. Maybe you find something that uh, doesn't uh, emotionally and mentally tax you that allows you to still pour into your business and your family. So those are just a couple of quick thoughts. I, I love that. And it's the practicality of looking at the financial equation and in some ways, the simplicity, uh, you know, again, I, I tend to overcomplicate things a lot of times when it, when it came to finances, particularly in my past life as a photographer, but the simplicity of looking at what is it that I need to live? And then ultimately, what is the business model that I need to create in order to achieve those particular numbers? It takes a, a lot of the, I'm a pretty emotional guy. So it, it, it takes the, the emotional element out of it. And you're just looking at black and white numbers. Can I do this now? If not, when can I do this to set certain goals? Yep. Maybe switch up the business model in order to, to achieve those goals. But I, I'd love the simple practicality of that. And, and Nolan, we're going to actually, in fact, use this as a segue to get into our primary focus for today, which is what it means to build an effective marketing plan. And I think you might find a lot of value in that as well. But thanks for, for sharing your thoughts on that, Ben. Actually, leading up to the conversation today and speaking of marketing efforts, you were saying that most photographers just have a, a number of separate marketing efforts, maybe disjointed efforts. And I'm wondering just to kind of start the conversation, if you can explain what you meant by that. Yeah. So I want to encourage the listeners that you're probably all like doing the right things. Um, Meaning like we all are, we're all building relationships with vendors and our network we're all um, thinking in the back of our minds about like maybe blogging or like, man, it'd be cool to like rank for SEO. And so maybe I'll publish a blog every now and then. We're, we're thinking about how do I um, uh, stay consistent on social media, um, all, like all these things. Um, and I think that I wanted to start there because us asshole internet marketers have led you to believe <laughs> That like there's this magic thing that like if you, well, if you just ran this kind of a Facebook ad, then your business would be fixed. Or if you just did this one thing, then it, it, and no one else is doing it, it you, then your business would have clients coming in the door. We, we've led you to believe that. And in all reality, man, there's only so many things that you can be doing to market your business hmm. and you're probably doing the right things. Hmm. Um, it's just that maybe we need to think through a bigger picture strategy of how these right things can connect. So I see a lot of photographers having all these different marketing efforts that are disjointed. When I say they're disjointed, it's like, it's like they're separate domino pieces, that are just far enough apart from one another that like, it's like, Hey, I've been an Instagram reel and it just kind of goes tink and it like falls over. <laughs> and then you're like, Hey, I did a blog post to like build my SEO. And it's yeah. like tink, it falls over. Mm. And, um, and then we're like frustrated that we're not building this type of energy and this type of like critical mass with our marketing efforts. Um, and so we're kind of exhausted by that fact, right? It's like, I know you guys are working so hard and you're doing all the things, but it's like 
knocking over all these individual separate uh, tactics. Does that make sense? I, I, yeah, it does actually. And I love that picture too. I, I don't, I don't think this is much a thing here in the States, but I, I grew up in Japan and in Japan, something that was popular, at least back in the day, were these massive setups of dominoes. I mean, like thousands, hundreds of thousands, maybe even millions of dominoes that they would set up and no telling how many days, weeks, months they spent setting these things up. And then you'd watch them. It was literally a show just watching the, the, I guess the fanciful design of these dominoes falling down. It was a mind blowing thing, but (laughs) none of that happens if they're not set just in the right place. If they are set right next to each other and, and just the right amount of distance as you were talking about, it creates that literal domino effect, which mm-hmm. creates ultimately, especially in the context of those shows, a really beautiful show. In the case of photography businesses, a really great photography or photographic experience for the client and as a result, a, a profitable business, I would hope. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're, we're missing out on that because we don't quite have those pieces stacked together just the right way. Is there, you know, it's, I love that. I love your transparency as a so-called digital marketer. Um, that <laughs> that there are certainly not. There's certainly not just one way to do things. Yeah. Um, we talk about the detriment or the potential detriments of setting up individual marketing efforts that don't have this kind of chain reaction effect. Mm-hmm. What are and maybe a bit, a bit self-explanatory, but what are some of the detriments to doing those individual things versus trying to link them all together? Well, it's. Uh, I mean, if you're like me, when I started. Uh, in my career, uh, it was 11 years ago, I just graduated college, uh, and so my wife and I both had student debt stacked against us. I was a fine art major and oil painter in Ohio, really? and I didn't have the mindset that I have today, mm. and, I, and I, I, because of that belief that I held, I was not selling oil paintings. Uh, so there was two strikes against me. On top of that, I was in full-time ministry as well for two years. Mm. And it, when you're doing ministry right, it's not the most lucrative thing. And so um, my wife and I were looking at all of this and trying to figure out, like, how do we make these little dollars, these very few scarce dollars that we had, go really far? And so... On top of it, we're we're in the same situation. That I forget the gentleman's name. Um, who's he's working full time, and so like the time is limited. And so I think that for many photographers, they're they're kind of burnt out because like they're trying to figure out how to make the few dollars that they have to put into marketing go much further. And yet they're also trying to figure out how to make the little time that they have go much further Mm. because of all the hats that we're wearing. Even if you're not working a full-time job, you kind of are working some other full-time job. It's like you're the customer service, you're the editor, you're the photographer, you're the salesman, you're the, uh, you're the booker. You're like, I mean, you're just doing everything. You're literally doing everything. It's true. And, uh, and so, yeah, the time is, is just, uh, it's just not there. So well, it's, and I think about this even even in recent contexts. Um, it, it's a bit ironic, but despite the fact that I run an editing company, which is all about delegation, mm. there are many times where I've fallen short in that regard. We have you know massive opportunity in the industry, and yet I've limited our ability to grow at times by not delegating more effectively. And what happens is it's easy, especially when we're super busy, to get stuck, kind of blinders on and just focused on this one little thing right here versus being able to take a step back and look at the big picture when we're Mm -hmm. so caught up in that day-to-day busy work. 
So, I mean, there's a tendency, I know that for a lot of photographers to, to fixate on that busy work because they just, they're trying to get by, they're trying to pay the bills, they're trying to book that next client to make things work. It's, it doesn't, it feels like a luxury, I think, in those contexts to be able to take a step back and look at it from that bigger picture perspective. Um, what are your thoughts about that? I mean, it does, I, it's I didn't, it's not a luxury. It's just okay. a choice, but the try the challenges, and there's a reason that we're not choosing it. It's because it takes courage. And I say that because the default, the default's easy. The default is I wake up and I get into my business and like whatever happens, happens. I'm a victim to how it unfolds. And so I step down and I come in and there's an email that uh, I need to do something. There's a fire that needs to put out and there's a session that needs to be edited. And so the default just allows me to be comfortable. It allows me to just like do the busy work and just kind of like do whatever and whatever happens, happens. It's not my fault, right? I, I'm just mm. the victim to how this whole thing's unfolding. The reason I say it takes courage and it's just simply a choice is because if I say, if I actually choose to design what I want, if I actually choose uh, to have a business that I'm shaping, that I'm in control, that I'm not just a victim to the default, whatever it is in front of me, it means that I'm responsible for whatever I got. Mm. And, and I might not have the right thing. And I don't know if I'm willing to risk that. I'd much rather just feel safe and okay showing up and working a little bit more on my logo because... because <laughs> but it's so fun, Ben. Come on. <laughs> yeah, it is, right? And so it takes courage to actually say, no, I'm going to actually design this business uh, to serve my life. I'm going to work uh, on my business, not just continually in it. I'm going to take ownership over what I have. I'm no longer going to be the victim of the default of whatever is in my inbox for today. And, um, and again, that's just, uh, that's a step that subconsciously, I don't think very many people are willing to take. I think that they, they would say, no, I'm willing to, but the actions show otherwise. Do you think, though, that I, I, I guess I get the notion of taking responsibility for what's in front of us. But I, what I was trying to get to earlier is that we by maybe focusing too much on the in some case, we could term I guess we could call it busy work. But the day to day things that theoretically we could be handing over to somebody else that would then give us a sense of freedom mentally, emotionally, to be able to take a look at our marketing efforts, for, for example, from a bigger picture perspective and realize, hey, these little one-off efforts, they may be making a little bit of an impact, but the cumulative effect is not near what it could be or should be. I, I guess that's what I was trying to get at. And I wonder if, if like, where, is that, where does that shift need to be made in order to, to develop this perspective, which we're going to talk about, of course, with regards to developing a more effective marketing plan? How, well, it's, how d- it's kind of like what we were talking about earlier with like, again, going back to that book, Essentialism, it's like, what do I actually like need to be doing? Because everything else, I can probably delegate it. I could delete it. You know, um, I'm going to pull up my, uh, I made a post here because I keep forgetting about the other <laughs> things that I wanted to share. Yeah. Um, but uh, 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 here we go. Here we go. Yeah. Delegate, delete, decline. Just literally say no. We keep saying yes to everything. That's the other D I was looking for. I was like, <laughs> man, where's the other D? It's just a decline. Yeah. We're, we just keep rolling over and saying, yes, I can do that. Yes, this is important. And, um, and, and maybe it's not. 
Um, yeah. Uh, so, uh, for me, I mean, I delegate out my inbox. Um, so emails, I'm, I, the only, the emails that are absolutely essential for me to respond to end up in my inbox. Everything else is getting looked at by somebody else, right? So that's one of the things that I've outsourced. Um, and that's one of the biggest things that you can outsource. Mm. Um, editing, both from the podcast, but also mm. um, all of my photographs. Honestly, now, after 11 years in business, I now outsource my calling as well. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. I want to give a caveat to that because I fully recommend and believe that uh, you should be calling your work for probably the first 10 years of your business uh, if you want to keep getting better. <laughs> for that, perspective. That's where you get better as a photographer is in mm. the calling process because mm. you learn from your mistakes. Sure. It hasn't been until year 11 that I've decided, okay, I'm going to call, I'm going to have somebody else call my work. Um, uh, but I now, I now have somebody calling my work. Um, uh, bookkeeping, taxes, financial advising, um, all of these areas are now things that uh, that I have outsourced. Well, the only reason, and I, I didn't mean to make it a conversation about delegation so much, is just bringing to light the significance of the freedom that delegation can give a photographer. Because again, I know firsthand, even even recently, being, I mean, it's, it's wonderful that we're quote unquote busy and, and things are, are going really well. And at the same time, I know that I could do a much, much better job and my perspective would be much more, effective for the sake of my company and my team if I wasn't so caught up, you know, again, head down, blinders on, caught up in this little tiny thing right here that in the scheme of things doesn't matter so much and would probably be handled more effectively if, if I was to hand it to one of my team members who's, who specializes in that thing, let them take care of it so that I can maintain the perspective necessary to uh, more effectively market, for example. So I want to kind of bring it back around to that, that, that perspective which enables a photographer to see, okay, these, these one-off efforts, they're okay, but I, I really need to figure out how to string these together, to make them work together, to, to be a cohesive effort in my marketing for the sake of a bigger impact. And, and so to that end, I mean, you, you've talked about this idea of a marketing chain reaction. We're going to talk about how, a little bit about how to do that today. Where did this thought process come up from or come from? And, and you actually you were talking a, a few minutes ago about where where you came from, where you and your wife were, and you're, you're starting a photography business. Does it kind of go back to that, or where did this idea come from? Yeah. Um, I, can I, I, I want to speak to that, sure. I, and I will. I, I also feel like it might be valuable to talk a little bit briefly here just about, like, creating space for okay. yourself. Okay. Um. Because you're right, we um, the default kicks in, and there's so many things to do, and there's the busy work, and we get lost in it, and and there's so much noise. There's so much noise in our brain. There's so much noise, even if we're on Instagram and the messages that we're receiving here. When I say messages, I don't mean DMs, but just like the content that we're constantly filling mm. our minds with. Yeah, it is a constant chatter up here, and so one of the things that I've done. Um, I, I, I should say I've practiced because done suggests completion that I've practiced on and off um, some days, some weeks better than not is to, um, to clear my mind and to create space um, 
for the actual process of working on your business. The reason that we're always working in it is because it's just our brain doesn't turn off and there's no space for it. We haven't given it any mm. space. And so it's just constantly doing the next thing. Mm-hmm. But if we actually, it's like, it reminds me of shower thoughts. It's like, well, of course you have the brilliant idea in the shower because finally you've mm. put your damn phone away. Yep. And finally you're not in front of your computer. And finally mm. people aren't calling you. It's because you've actually given yourself space. And so there's a great quote. Uh, I don't know who said it. It's like Abraham Lincoln or some dead guy. But like, give me six hours to cut down a tree and I'll spend the first four sharpening my axe. Hmm. And we aren't spending, we aren't even spending an hour sharpening our axe. We're spending five minutes, maybe. Maybe we're not even sharpening the axe. We're just like, sending it. Yes, yeah. (laughs) And so that space that I'm talking about, um, it's an intentional strategy. It's a very intentional strategy that I have for turning off the noise in my world. So as much as I do, um, I'm also trying, because I know I'm putting a lot of content out there. I know I'm showing up in all these places. Because of that, I'm being hyper vigilant about like the receptors of like where I'm consuming information. And so that would honestly be step one is to like start to become really aware of like where is it in your life that you can turn off the consumption where is it in your life that you can start to find some like clearing apart from just the shower (laughs) where like maybe when you get in the car you don't turn on music Hmm. maybe when you get in the car you don't turn on npr um, and you just have a quiet drive. <laughs> it's like, what? I wonder what that might do. I, I don't know. Um, I've discovered that it's in these spaces that I create these ideas and these thoughts that have made the biggest impact uh, mm. in my business. And yeah. so to go back to now to your original question of like, what did this look like when I first started? I mean, when I first began as a photographer, I was working 40 hours a week. I was a newly, um, a new husband, right? Uh, newly married. And I'm trying to figure out how to provide for my wife in an incredible way because she came from an amazing family. She was so well taken care of. Her father uh, grew his own business from scratch, from nothing, from an, uh, from an abusive childhood, and he made something. And he provided so well for his daughters. He has three mm. daughters, Leslie being one of them. Wow. And, um, and now enters me <laughs> stepping into like to be this person. And so I'm trying to figure out like, how do I solve these problems? Mm. Um, and so everything that I did, it, I didn't have any time for complacency. There, there, there was, everything had to have a purpose, right? And so I couldn't afford to just have a domino just tink, fall over. Um, and so I was constantly strategizing and thinking about how can I, how can I build this? How can I link it? And, and actually to this point, when I say to build it and link it, you know, what you described of the dominoes tipping over, that's great. Um, it's a great illustration. It goes further than that though, Nathan, because it's, it's an exponential energy that builds meaning um, the great illustration that I could give is like if you yeah, everyone's seen a video or a movie or a cartoon of this scene, and I don't I can't even tell you an example of one, but I know that you've seen it. Uh, it's usually a comedy or a cartoon skit, and there's a character who's maybe a little clumsy or whatever, and they walk into a museum, 
and all around the museum, it shows all these fragile objects and your brain's already going, oh no, I know where this is going to go. And the character like trips and they like stumble forward and they're about to knock over the dinosaur bone that's in the center of the museum, but then they catch themselves, right? And there's like this big relief, ah. But then out of their pocket, a marble falls and the marble rolls across the room and it knocks over a coffee cup. And then that coffee cup knocks over a book and then that book knocks over a vase and the vase knocks over a pillar and then the pillar knocks over an even bigger pillar. And then eventually something knocks into the dinosaur bone and the whole thing comes crumbling down. This is what I mean when I say it's the marble, it's that little energy mm. that, that knocked over the next thing. And that's what I mean when I say chain reaction marketing is it's okay. like, like it's not just a domino to another domino. It's like a bigger exponential growth. Hmm. Does that make sense? It does. It does. Yeah. But I, I guess like, where did you even, did you hear, did you learn this somewhere else? What even turned you on to the idea that, okay, I need no. to, I need to start to try to put these efforts together. It's just because the time was so limited and the mm. stakes were so high. I mean, I was like a driven, newly married man. My wife is d- just completely stunning, enamored by her and knowing that like I've, uh, I, I, I want to provide the best possible life mm. for her and I, mm. right? And I'm working 40 hours a week. And so if I'm going to do a bridal show, then it can't be unilateral. Meaning this, my number one rule for marketing is that if a marketing effort is unilateral, one-dimensional, single domino, tink, then it is either inefficient and I shouldn't do the damn bridal show. But much more likely... It's that it hasn't been thoroughly thought through, right? Uh, So again, if the marketing effort is unilateral, one-dimensional, then it's either inefficient and you shouldn't do it, or more likely it hasn't been thoroughly thought through. I saw photographers always complaining about bridal shows, about how much of a waste of time it was. And what I discovered was they were actually just treating it like a unilateral marketing effort. They were going to a bridal show thinking, hey, brides and grooms, couples are going to come to this thing and then they're going to book me for their wedding. So I'll do it. And then it wouldn't work because they treated it unilaterally. And so because of that, bridal shows got shit on for a number of years. And they still do in the the wedding industry, right? It's like, yeah, that's for budget brides. Your your ideal client's not there. It's a waste of time. It's a waste of money. It's actually that you just haven't more thoroughly thought it through. And so early on, I was thinking through everything. Okay, so if I'm going to do this bridal show, how, how can I use this bridal show Uh, to build my SEO? How can I use this bridal show as a way to network with other vendors in a meaningful uh, relational way? How can I use this bridal show uh, uh, to, um, to get out from behind my, my uh, screen and start meeting with people in person? Um, And just started asking myself these questions. And so I would go into the bridal show much more thoroughly thought through in a way that it would build. So that way when the show was over and couples were no longer there at my booth, leads were continuing to pour in from all the other ways that I had considered and thought about uh, what this opportunity could actually be. Okay. Well, that's a beautiful segue actually to my next question, which has to do with questions. You, You actually, you told me before we got started that in order to establish this kind of chain reaction marketing that photographers need to be asking the right questions. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'd love to get maybe a few of those from you. Before we do, though, I, we actually had a comment from Dave who, who asked if you could turn your volume up just a little bit. Can you turn your gain yeah. up just a little bit more? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got you. How's that? Tick, 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 tick. Yeah, much better. Gain. Awesome. Yeah, good. 
Yeah. Sometimes I start talking over here and I needed to stay right here. Right okay. there. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, so two things I want to acknowledge. I want to go back real quick. Remember when I get it, went on that little rant about space and like being aware of what you're filling your mind with and yeah. having opportunities for quiet? Mm-hmm. Um, that's how it happened early on. Is I create the only way that uh, otherwise I just would have shown up to the bridal show like everybody else. But I I started to protect my inputs. I started to protect what I was receiving information from. So if you're looking for like how do you practically do that? That's you know it's like that'd be one of the things. Okay. Um, okay. So yeah, there's a number of questions that you could be asking yourself in regards to any marketing effort. And I mentioned this analogy of like the dinosaur toppling over, right? Um, that dinosaur bone structure and that analogy that like ends up falling over, uh, if we were to draw the analogy that that's what we're after for our business is like that, that kind of metaphorical T-Rex falling over kind of a thing. The thing that we need to understand is in my book, that T-Rex falling over isn't like more money or it isn't more clients. It isn't more of something. Um, I feel like many photographers, they just keep thinking, I just need more clients. I just need more bookings. I just need more money. And that is the goal. And they pursue that to great lengths only to realize that they've built a prison around themselves only to realize that like, this isn't the life that I actually wanted (laughs) because they, they thought that the T-Rex toppling over, they thought that this whole chain reaction marketing, like that was the goal was to my Mm. counter completely booked up. So I want to start by saying that the T-Rex that we're going to try to knock over is to actually have you design the life that you want to have a business that allows you to design the life that you want. And so my very first question that I would encourage anyone to be asking themselves is, if you're thinking about a marketing effort, if you're thinking about putting energy, time, or money towards something in your business, ask yourself this question. Great. (laughs) I'm thinking about doing this thing. How can I use this effort to move my business closer to the vision that I have for my life? Mm. Well, that would probably mean that you would need to have some sort of vision. I was going to say, (laughs) that might be the first question. What is your vision? Yeah. Well, we could talk about vision if you'd like to. Yeah. Well, let's start there because this is something we talk about quite a bit here on the podcast, the significance of, I I phrase it or kind of describe it as a big picture view. Uh, Mm. Julie Morgenstern in in a book called Time Management from the Inside Out. That's the phrase that she used. And she said that the most successful people in life have a big picture view. It enables them to rise above the chaos and maintain perspective. And I, and I love that, mm. that image. I think back to skydiving and, or, or actually hang gliding. Um, I had the opportunity to go hang gliding a number of years ago, and, and I was used to driving on this road in my car, maybe the motorcycle, but getting up in that hang glider, I now had a, a fresh perspective that mm. I'd never had before, but it, it allowed me to see much further down the road to see where I might go. And so the significance of a vision or a big picture view first and yeah. letting that drive literally every decision we make. I mean, photographers sit around and talk about, you know, what genre I want to go into and what editing style and what client to go after and what, what all these things. And, and the reality is those questions are answered kind of what you were saying earlier, much more easily if we first have that vision or that big picture view. So yeah, briefly comment on that, if you will. Yeah. So you, I, it makes the most sense to view it one way, but then to create your vision inverted. 
So you would ask yourself, okay, so I'm looking at my life. It's like, okay, so what, what do I do? Let's talk about what I do. Okay. A lot of our time is spent with what we do, right? So we're going to think about, okay, what do I do? That's great. Create a list of all the things that you do uh, in your business and outside your business. This is a life vision. This isn't just your business. So, so what do you do for vacation? What do you do for work? What do you do for fun? What do you do with your wife? What do you do with your husband? What do you do with your kids? Like, what do you do? Great. Cool. Now, second question, what do you have? What do you have in this world? Maybe you have a, a nice car. All good, by the way. No judgment. Maybe you have uh, more time with your family than less. Maybe you have your weekends open. Maybe you have a vacation twice a year. Like, I, So what do you have? And create an idea of what that. Now, here's the big question. Is great. I've decided this is what I do. And this is what I have. But now... Who would I need to be? What kind of person would I need to be to actually do and have those things? Okay? What kind of person would actually have a business that allowed him to come home at 3 p.m. every single day and yet make 500000 a year? What kind of person mm. would that person need to be, mm. right? And so then you, you invert, after you write this out, I just say journal, just bullet these things mm. out, and then you're going to invert it, and you're going to start with who you need to be first, and you're going to actually create a vision. Now, here's the thing about visions, is it should only be in the positive tone. You should always be moving towards something, meaning your vision can't be like, I'm I'm, I'm never late. <laughs> this is, if your vision is I'm never late, um, it's like uh, we, we, our minds and our conscious, it only moves towards things. Mm. And so the emphasis and the focus is on being late. And so you're going to end up being late. Uh, so it must be positive. It must be moving towards something, right? And so uh, I'll then invert it. And I'll start by saying like, maybe my vision is I'm full of integrity, and I honor my promises to other people and to myself. I'm present. I support the people closest to me as a priority above everybody else. And I look to them for support in my own struggles, right? Like these could be like who I am. This is like who I would need to be. And then what do I do? Maybe, uh, maybe part of my do is like I talk to my wife daily. Uh, I come home from work when I say I'm going to come home from work. Um, I, I maybe now we can go to the haves. What does this result in terms of what I have? I have a healthy body. I I have a healthy mind. I have a healthy marriage. I have a thriving business that's bringing in 750,000 a year. Try to be specific in these metrics, but it's just helpful to, uh, to, to start. Everyone always wants to start with what they do and what they have, right? We have to ask ourselves, who would I need to be? And then we're going to invert it when we write out the vision. We're going to start with the B first. Okay, so then <laughs> that that kind of basically answers the question of how then, or what is what is your vision, or how do we establish the vision? The question, the initial question is, what is your vision? Then that follow-up question to your earlier point has more to do now with what am I trying to accomplish with my business? Is that right? Is that kind of the, the beginnings of this, this chain reaction marketing? Well, I would just say once you've got this kind of fleshed out, the, the questions now are going to be very specific towards marketing, right? So like a very, this isn't, this isn't going to be a brand. Uh, um, what am I trying to say? Uh, a brand mission statement. That's not like, that's not what we just created. We, we're creating a vision, a high level vision for our life mm-hmm. yep. and ourselves as an individual. Yep. And, and so we want our business to get us closer to that. 
And so if you're going to be doing a marketing effort, wouldn't it be great if like the marketing effort actually got you closer to what you say you want? Like I see a lot of wedding photographers that like they're just stuck on the wheel of like doing these big weddings when they really want to be traveling and doing small weddings and elopements and destination work. And so if you want that for your life and you're about to uh, do a big giveaway, how could you use the giveaway that you're about to do to generate business to get you closer to small weddings, elopements, and traveling? Does that make sense? It does. So that's why it has to be the first thing. You just got like, and it's such a common sense thing, but again, it's just like, yeah, it is, but we're so busy and our minds are so active that, and we just want the next client and the next money that it's so easy for us to just get on the rat race and to keep moving forward. We just need to slow down. We need to create that clearing. We need to actually understand that like, okay, let me connect the dots a little bit more. Okay. Okay. So let's, I, I almost want to stop right there because the significance of first developing that vision is something that I think so many photographers need to do. It's why so many photographers feel overwhelmed in general is because they don't have the clarity that comes from first establishing that vision or that big picture view. And then their behavior on a day-to-day basis is haphazard. It's erratic. They're just kind of reacting to whatever's happening. And that creates a, a, a sensation and experience of chaos, mm-hmm. which of course also leads to overwhelm. So we could, we could literally end right there. I do want to respect your time. Can, can you just throw in one or two kind of the next questions that photographers need yeah. to ask? They've established the vision or yeah. we ask the question, what is the vision? Secondly, then what are they trying to accomplish with their marketing efforts? Maybe one or two follow-up questions to that. Yeah. So it's, you know, I just have a series of questions that I try to run through. Uh, one of the first ones after, after the vision one, the bigger pit, the bigger picture one, uh, the other ones are far less haughty and like heavy. That one's definitely like, <laughs> man, that's going to take me like a month to figure that out. Ain't got time for that. Um, a, a really simple one is, okay. So if you're about to do something to generate business, uh, you know, revenue, more clients. So who else can I partner with to make this a success? Just start to really rack your brain. Is there anybody else that I could bring in that I could work with that I could partner with to make this an even bigger success, right? And um, and maybe you're already doing something with another vendor. Maybe you're doing a style shoot. Great. Who else? Who else? Who else did I miss, right? Who else could I partner with to make it a success? That way I am not an island, Mm. all right? Another question, um, hey, this marketing effort I'm about to do, I'm about to do, uh, let's just hypothetically say, an, uh, a giveaway on Instagram. Maybe I'm going to give away a product or a service of mine. Okay, cool. How can I move this uh, marketing effort out from behind my screen and actually get in person? Is there any way, What if there was a way for me to actually build more meaningful relationship off screen, what could it be? Hmm. There's always a way, right? Okay. And so maybe maybe that's a question that you could ask yourself. Um, what does that look you, like tangibly? And, and, and we'll kind of end with this please. question because I know there's so much more that, that you have to share and, and there's a means to that. We'll talk about it in a second. But um, what does that look like tangibly? It, it, it's yeah. so convenient for photographers. I mean, I've experienced this even in our market pre-COVID. Um, local photography community, photographers are just not apt to get out anymore. There's, it's so convenient to be on Facebook, typing away, sharing an Instagram, mm-hmm. DMing, whatever it is. And the idea of 15, 20 minute drive to go have coffee with a group of photographers is, is too much of a chore. Yeah. W- what is that? And how do we kind of move beyond that? So, so let's start with baby steps and uh, understanding the era of COVID. Even when I say like, 
Um, maybe let's call it like, what can I do to make this in person? You know, and when I say in person, that's kind of gotten redefined over the last year, because honestly, I feel like this is in a way in person, so to speak. It's like Zoom, video, uh, actual like live me expressing um, my vulnerability from stumbling over my words and just showing up on camera and looking what, you know what I mean? It's like, there's a vulnerability that comes through that. And and there's a connection that comes through that. Mm. And so maybe let's go to the Instagram contest. Maybe like when you're doing an Instagram giveaway, you say, um, that part of the, part of the entry is once you've done step one, send me a DM that says, uh, I entered exclamation point. Maybe that's it. Okay. Okay. And now for you, what would it look like for you to just pull your phone and to record a little video mm. and to DM it to that person and just mm. to say, hey, thanks so much for, um, for entering the giveaway. Uh, I really hope that you win. I got a chance to look and I love that you have a corgi. Uh, I, I had a corgi growing up. Anyhow, I, okay. I just wish you the best of luck. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I'm making this up on the fly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, what if you actually created a real connection with someone in, in a small way, even with something like an Instagram giveaway, right? Um, what if the finalists of the giveaway had to schedule a phone call with you <laughs> mm. and you actually got to connect on the phone? Maybe you're going to give yeah. away a full uh, engagement session and you'd love to convert that person into a real wedding booking, mm. right? What if you had a set of finalists that you connected with um, and, and you got a chance to interview and to talk and to build meaningful relationship with? So those would be a couple ways. Oh, this is really good, man. Um, I, this is, this is a setup and it's going to feel like a setup, but it's a wonderful setup because I'm, I'm so kind of taken by the content. And by the way, I also have to say, I, I, as I'm listening to you talk, I, I was taken back to the last show at United conference, um, where you were up on stage doing a keynote and, and the, 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 the amount of graciousness with what you communicate and teach is, is quite unique and, and I have to give you major props for it because I think it, it's, it makes it so much easier for the end listener to, to take that information. And in. I can tell that you genuinely want to give value to your, your very, one of your earlier points in our conversation. And so I just have to compliment you on that because it's, it's absolutely wonderful and you have really valuable information to share. So in that regard, I, I want to bring your, your website back up because there's opportunity here for our listeners, viewers to be able to kind of pick up where we left off in our conversation. Um, I, I know that you've got uh, some educational material with regards to this that, that they can kind of pick up on and, and learn maybe at their own pace. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. Well, um, being that this is first a podcast, uh, if people just want to tune into the podcast, Six Figure Photography uh, is the podcast with Ben Hartley. You can find it on Spotify and iTunes. It's probably an easy segue for listeners. Yeah. Um, the the next space would be um, the the place that I'm most present. And if you want to find me, is in my mastermind group. Um, there's 17,000 photographers there. It's on Facebook. Wow. Uh, if you were to go to benhartley.com forward slash mastermind, uh, it'll take you right there. Um, benhartley.com forward slash mastermind. Uh, it's free. It's, uh, and I, in that group, I do free coaching every week. Um, so every Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday at 3 PM EST, I'm in that space doing a live video. Um, if I'm ever not going to do a live video, I'll let you know. Um, but it's a commitment that I've made, uh, to the community here. And so, um, would love to have you, uh, be a part of that group. Brilliant. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna link to all this in the show notes, and I'm I'm popping this up on screen too. It's just a simple route is just to go to benhartley.com. You can link to the mastermind yep. group from there as well. We'll also link directly to the group in the show notes. And uh, by the way, D- 
Davey Dave uh, commented on Facebook. He said, Ben is definitely not phony baloney. There's a lot of photographers out there that try to sell education, but they are slimy and disingenuous. Ben is not that. Can't wait to see you at WPPI, Ben. And thanks, uh, thanks for, for commenting in, Dave. And, and I would have to agree as well. I, I really appreciate you doing this today, Ben. I mean, making so much time. And I know we kind of just jumped all around, but it was, it was great to have your... <laughs> it was fun. <laughs> oh, it was super great to have your insight. And again, we're going to link to um, all of the, the resources, the talking points. Uh, we'll post all this information in the show notes at bocapodcast.com, benhartley.com for everybody listening and viewing. Make sure you go visit. You can follow Ben and all his wonderful reels. Uh, at J Ben Hartley on Instagram as well. Ben, I'm going to have to take some cues from you and, and start experimenting a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate the encouragement there too. Thanks everybody for listening in. Thanks again, Ben, for your time, for sharing with all of us. Thanks, Nathan.